I'm going to preach on healing this morning, and uh, with all the events that have happened this weekend, it just to me it was confirmation that can preach on healing. Russ called me this morning. He's not here this morning. He called in sick. And so the reality of us being sick from time to time happens in this world that we live in. The title of the sermon this morning is, Lord, Heal Me. Lord, Heal Me. Most of us have prayed that at some point in our life, if not for ourselves, for someone else. Lord, Heal Me. One of the most intense prayers I ever prayed for healing for myself personally was when I found myself on the bottom of a swimming pool. This was about five years ago. I was swimming with our family. Our granddaughter Madeline was there and Lana and Audra and different ones. We were using a pool that someone was going to be away, and uh, so we snuck in their yard and went in their pool. Not really. <laughs> they told us we could use it. We're swimming, and I'm making splashes. I'm jumping in. Madeline's wanting big waves, and I'm the biggest person there, so I'm doing cannonballs and preacher seats. I was tra- we're trained in seminary how to do preacher seats. If you don't know how to do it, you know, I can show you. Actually, I can't because I don't do them anymore, as you'll find out. So I go out to launch out to do this big splash, and you put your hand over your face, and you splash in the water. Madeline was loving the big waves and everything. And my head went kind of sideways, and so when I hit the water, I hit it perfectly, and it burst my eardrum. Although I didn't know what had happened, but I was screaming on the bottom of the pool. Nobody could hear me, but I'm crying out, Lord, help me, Jesus. Whatever this is, because I didn't really know what had happened. I just knew my ear was in intense pain. And if that has never happened to you, you're going to pray and ask God to heal you. I'm just telling you, you're going to cry out to the Lord. Well, I, I was also praying I wouldn't drown. So I got to the top of the pool and got to the side, and, and, and I'm over there hovering, and, and like I'm, I'm in intense pain, and they're all, great wave, Papa, that was awesome. You know, and I'm just over there in horrible pain. To make a long story short, I went to an ENT doctor, and he told me, you've burst your eardrum. He said, well, if it doesn't heal on its own, which it can, then we'll have to do surgery. And so, uh, tough pain. And even the medicine they put in there, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm talking about horrible. But my point of opening that up is that probably every one of us have prayed for some kind of healing. And by the way, I didn't have to have surgery. The God that created me made it possible that those cells begin to grow back together. And, and so which your ear can do that. It can heal its own self. And so it healed back up. And I, as far as I know, don't have any hearing damage, Lana and uh, my wife. So Let me read two passages of Scripture to you. The first one is from James. Apparently the early church was dealing with people being sick. And so James writes to the church in James 5. I'll read verses 13 through 16. He asks three questions. Is anyone among you suffering? Chances are a church our size, but even a smaller church, ten people there perhaps. You could ask these three questions, and, and probably that happens every Sunday morning. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray, him or her. Is anyone cheerful? Because a lot of times that come, we're just glad to be here. Vicky, she just happy this morning, glad to be here at church. Let that person sing songs. And then it asks, is anyone among you sick? That is a legitimate question because chances are every Sunday when we meet, somebody's dealing with some kind of emotional, mental, relational wound, affliction, a physical ailment, some kind. So it's a good question for us to ask as the community. Is anyone among you sick? And then James expands on that and he says, let him call that person that's sick. Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
Now, I brought oil this morning, and Vicky and I are going to open that opportunity for you to be anointed with oil. There's nothing in with the oil. Jesus, as far as we know, never anointed anybody with oil. You read in the... He may have. In fact, you'll just be glad I'm just using the olive oil this morning, because most time you think about it, Jesus often used mud. You remember when he would spit in the mud? So just be glad I'm not going to do that this morning. And he would, he would put a salve with mud and saliva. I'm not going to do that. But this one scripture is very clear to call for people and elders are just simply those who want to come and pray for us. It could be family member. A lot of times the staff will call Lynn Frederick. She is over our email prayer chain. Hey, Lynn, add them to the list. And those of you who are part of that, you begin to pray. It's biblical. Pray for one another, it says. And the prayer of faith, it says, will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him or her up. And if he's committed sins, he or she has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Wait a minute, I thought we were praying for sickness. Unforgiveness is horrible sickness. And so, again, we see in this that Jesus always cares about the whole person. So, if they've committed any sins, they will be forgiven. But in verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man or a woman avails much. So we know this is part of our community, part of the body of Christ. And so sometimes we call and ask for elders, those who come and believe in faith. So faith is a part of it. Calling on the name of the Lord is a part of it. Praying for one another and the whole person. I also chose Psalms 103, verses 1 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and and, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. And then the psalmist is going to name four benefits of knowing this God that you've asked. Oh God, bless my soul, which the soul is part of us, is, is all of our makeup of who we are. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so here's the four benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. The atonement and the celebration of communion is all about a God who forgives your iniquities. It's a benefit. Who heals all of your diseases. The third one, who redeems your life from destruction. And then the fourth one, who crowns your life with loving kindness and with tender mercies. Those are benefits from this God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, of all these benefits that He gives to us. I'm going to be a little bit facetious here and tell you that the reason I'm preaching on healing is because I'm an expert about it and I know everything there is to know about divine healing. And you all know that's not true. I don't. I didn't come up with this phrase. Perhaps it was Henry Nowen, but I also had a professor in seminary who used this phrase, and I use it often. I am only a wounded. I am only a wounded healer among other wounded healers. We're in this together. So we are all healers in that sense. The potential is within us to be a part of the process of healing. Just based on this Scripture in James, because he's, he's addressing the church. Anybody among you sick? Anybody suffering? Anybody happy? But he tells us specifically, call upon one another. And pray for one another in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith. Our very name is believers. And so we come in faith. That's all a part of it. You remember the father, the centurion, who prayed for his son. And healing did not come in the way that he had hoped. And so the centurion cried out, Lord, help my unbelief. Probably chances are there's been many of you that probably have called that out and 
said, Lord, help my unbelief. I have with my own children. I have many times with Dave, Lord, God, help my unbelief. And we begin to intercede and we begin to pray. We're a part of this, according to James. He wants us to do this. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Specific instruction. For those of you who get the sermon notes and the 3D devotion, you'll know that I ask some questions. They're rhetorical questions. Don't jump up and shout. Have you ever prayed for yourself to be healed? If you've walked on this journey very long with Jesus, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably about 99.9% of us have somewhere in our walk asked God to heal us. It may have been for spiritual healing. It might have been emotional, physical, relationship woundedness. It might have been for literal physical healing. But I would say most of us have. Have you, have you and do you pray for others to be healed? Again, I'm going to say we're all in this together. We are a praying church. We believe for people. That's why you call loved ones, pray for so-and-so. That's why we have that email prayer chain that some of you are part of. And the staff will send out a name to Lynn Frederick, and she'll put it on that. And people start praying. Why do we do that? Because we're part of the healing process. We're part of the wounded healers that pray for one another. So in that sense, I'm pretty sure the answer to both those questions is yes. Almost all believers, and sometimes even non-believers, or don't know anything about church, when there's a crisis that comes in their life, there's a physicalness that is wounded in their heart and their lives, they call out to God for healing. Heal me, O oh Lord. I'll share a story with you. When our son Dave was about four and a half years old, he came down with a kidney disease called nephrotic syndrome. He was swollen. We didn't know what it was, and we carried him to Gadsden Pediatric. Carried him a couple of times. They were trying to figure out what it was. Well, one day, Chip Griffith, some of y'all know him, he did his undergraduate work at University of Kentucky in nephrology. So when he saw Dave, that time we went in, Chip saw him, and, and he immediately went out and did a few things and got a urine sample, etc. And he came back in, and he said, I think your son has nephrotic syndrome. And we need to get him to Children's Hospital. Now, Lana and I are 20 years old, 29 years old, 28, 25, somewhere in there. I don't know. We were alive. Uh, <laughs> but when a young parents, and some of you experience that, when you hear this news, and then Chip said, not only do you need to go down to Children's Hospital, but I've made an appointment for you already, and you need to be there at 2 o'clock. So we know it's serious. We go down to Children's Hospital. They tell us they need to admit him in the hospital immediately. We requested because it was a Wednesday. Could we take him back? Was Mad- I mean, uh, uh, Audra was about two years old. We needed to get her situated. And could we, it was Wednesday night, we wanted our son to be prayed for. I told the nephrologist there at Children's Hospital. He agreed, but he said you need to bring him back immediately in the morning. But I'll allow that and go and have him prayed for. So we did. George Krill was our pastor. I had answered the call to preach, but I wasn't pastoring. And at the time, I didn't have a church. And so I asked Brother George. Many, many people gathered around. And, and Dave's four and a half years old or so. And I told him, I said, Dave, you know how sometimes we do at church? Brother George is going to get some oil and anoint you with oil. And a few days before that, I'm still old school. I changed my oil, own oil in my cars. So he had watched me. He said, that black stuff out of the car? And I said, no, we're not going to anoint you with that. And so Dave was there and many people gathered around and we laid hands on him and anointed him with oil and we prayed over him and we got up the next morning and, and we believed we believed that he would be healed and he wasn't he was worse and uh, so 
we went to Children's Hospital. To make a long story short, because I want to tell you the end of the story. Dave ended up in Children's Hospital twice, different times for different reasons, about a week each time, and then seven years of heavy, heavy doses of prednisone. The prednisone is still used to, to, to put many things in remission, and that was the case with this kidney disease. So here he is, four, five, six years old. It would go in remission, and then they would hit him with heavy doses of prednisone and all the side effects of that that just was tough for us to deal with. He became steroid-resistant. So he's 11 years old now. We realize it's not working. He's swelling. He's getting worse. And so happened to be that just he and I went that day, Dave and I did, 11 years old. We go to Children's Hospital. We sit in the room, and he explains to us he's become, he can't take this medicine. It won't work anymore. He's become steroid-resistant. But we're going to mix it with a cancer treatment drug. We hear some other children's hospitals are using this. We're hoping it will work. They take blood work. Dave never says anything, but his mind is working. We are silent as we walk across back to the parking lot. And I'm going to tell you, I went the other day to Children's Hospital, and I still, y'all know what I'm talking about. I got emotional just walk across because the smell is still, I don't know how to explain that it's still the same. And I, we walked into the parking deck. We sat down in the car, and, and I was thinking about what I was going to say to my 11-year-old son to try to explain all this. And as we sat down in the car, his first response, before I could say anything, why doesn't God heal me, Daddy? You preach on this healing. By this time, I had been a pastor. You preach on healing, but why doesn't God heal me? And I had no answer other than, I don't know, son. And I went on to say, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but Dave, I love you, and I'm sorry. I can't explain it. I don't know. But we're not going to give up. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep believing. And we're going to do what they've asked us to do. And we're going to thank God for doctors and medicine. And we're going to keep taking it. But as it turned out, that did put it in complete remission. And it never came back. And it has nothing to do with his kidneys now. They tell us nothing to do with it at all. Totally different situation. But I wanted you to hear an 11-year-old's response to not understanding. It's kind of like we still have even when we're 55. I don't know. But, but I know what the Word says, and, and I know that we're a part of the body of Christ, and I know that is anybody sick among you, then call for the elders. So he's still asking us to do this because we're a part of that, and we thank God for our doctors that... That, that the surgery and so forth. But I was even thought, I mentioned to Bill Howler, he was in service this morning, and, and I know that EMT, uh, Dr. Ostendorf, he came to the altar this morning. And, and, and I know, and I, for doctors, that, you know, they know that they can do what they can do, medically speaking, but they understand, followers of Jesus know that it's a miracle even when flesh grows back after surgery. But we still know that God calls us to heal. Matthew 9.35, Then Jesus went about all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Well, I believe that this goes on every Sunday. Jesus continues to go out teaching, preaching, and healing. His ministry continues through us. His church, the community of faith. These words above from James that we just read, pray for one another that you may be healed, are still true today. Jesus desires and wants us to pray for one another in the area of healing. While I know this is true, and I believe you would agree with me because we just read it, 
I'm convinced that we will never understand everything about healing while we remain on this earth. We will always have questions that we cannot answer to our 11-year-old son. However, I believe with all my heart, according to the Word of God, God continues to heal and calls us to healing ministry. A few months back, and I asked Heather and Tim if I could share this. Her dad, Bill Lankford, was in the intensive care a few months back, and the family called. Tim called me and said, Heather and her sister and her mother would like for you to come to the hospital, and would you, you bring oil, and would you anoint our dad with oil? And, and he was in intensive care, and we anointed him with oil, and the family, we gathered around him, and we prayed with intensity. Do we always have to use oil? Absolutely not. Uh, most often we don't. But is it okay to use it? According to James, it is. So sometimes we use it. Is there anything powerful in oil? Absolutely not. It's the prayer of faith that shall heal the sick. That if they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. It's the work of Jesus Christ. But anointing with oil is just, I think, another means of grace. Not in the sense of the sacrament. Not in the sense of baptism, what we'll do this afternoon. But still it is a working and a means of grace. And the body of Christ praying for one another is, again, a unique means of grace. To use words of John Wesley. When Jesus heals, He always looks at the whole person. I mentioned that, but I'm going to share two stories with you out of the Bible to emphasize that. You remember the four guys that were going to bring the paralytic to Jesus? They were going to bring him down and they couldn't get to Jesus, and so they lowered the roof and they dropped him down in. You remember that? And you remember, I'm sure Jesus was wondering what in the world they're doing, and then when they lowered him down, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I'm wondering if the four guys that lowered him down thought, wait a minute, we wanted you to heal him. What are you doing forgiving him of his sins? But Jesus always looks at the whole person. He also was teaching the Pharisees something who questioned. Who are you that you can forgive sins? And so Jesus said, I know what you're thinking. So in order for you to know that the Son of God has power to forgive sins, I'll also say to you, and he looked at the paralytic, I say to you, arise and walk. And so everybody marveled at the power that he had, but he also forgave sins. That's the power and authority that we respect Jesus with, that still that ministry is here today. He always cares about the whole person. You remember the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, and she'd heard about this Jesus, and she came to him, and crowd and people were all around him, and she knew that if I could just touch, if I could just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She was believing for that. And so she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And, and Jesus said, who touched me? Of course, the disciples said, well, Jesus, there's people all around. A lot of people touched me. He said, no, somebody touched me. The Bible says that power was released out through him. And he knew that. So he turns and looks at the woman. And he said, your faith has made you whole. Your faith reached out, touching Jesus. And it's exactly the same thing we do in the ministry. We reach out. We believe when we come in faith. We ask other brothers and sisters and family to pray with us. When we pray for healing, we reach out. Let me give you three words as we begin to take communion here in just a moment. Tuesday morning, when I was finalizing what I was going to preach about, and, you know, we call it sermonizing the sermon, we preachers. I kept sensing my heart the word reach because of this woman reaching out and how we reach out. I want you to remember that word when you come to communion. Communion is a powerful way that we recognize that this God reaches down to us and we reach up to Him. So however the Holy Spirit takes that word for you, 
The word reach is one word I want you to remember. The other word is touch. We just sang about He touched me. And the other is faith. Reach, touch, and faith. We're going to take communion this morning by intention. If you're visiting with us, you're invited to participate in communion. You don't have to be a member of our church. We have open communion. Uh, Jesus invites you to His table. After we share with those who have served, we're going to have two sets of people. One will be right here in the middle aisle and one right here. And so the ushers will direct you, but you'll come out the middle, take communion right there. By intention, you just simply dip the bread in the cup. The altar will be open. Vicki and I, after we take communion, we're going to remain up here. And if you want to be anointed with oil, we would be glad to do that this morning and pray with you. It may be that you just want to come and be along with Jesus. So, so we will know. Just simply cup your hands if you would like for us to pray with you. We'll anoint you with oil. There's nothing in the Bible says you take the oil and put it in the form of a cross, but that's typical of the way the church does it. So that's what we'll do. We'll simply anoint with you. We'll pray with you. You don't have to give us any details unless you choose to. But we're just going to simply pray that Jesus will reach out as you reach out to Him and touch you. We're not going to do the formal liturgy this morning just for sake of time. I'm not going to read all the liturgy for uh, communion. And so uh, I want to pray God's blessing over the communion, but we invite you to come. Before I pray, let me remind you that the essence of communion, of Holy Communion, is God pouring out His grace on all the wounds of our lives. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings a healing, just like the psalmist said, of loving kindness and God's tender mercies. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we bless You this morning and praise You, God, for Your Word. God, we come to You humbly. We come to You honest. We don't understand everything about healing, but we know You've called us to be a part of the healing ministry. God, I thank You for this table prepared before us. Holy Spirit, Move through this, this sacrament, this act, in a unique way that only You can to touch the human heart, to touch the whole person. So we invite ourselves and open ourselves to reach out to You, God, and to be touched by You this morning, that You will heal our wounds. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, and all the people said, Amen. I'll ask those that are going to come help serve communion, if you would, come. And uh, I'll ask the acolytes, y'all can come on up. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your grace in this day and every day. And we thank You that for the power of healing, of which we have honest, been honest, we don't understand, but we come and we reach and we ask for Your touch and we ask You to heal and we're never going to stop doing that. So we praise You, God, for the body of Christ, communion of Christ, all of us wounded healers praising You and glorifying You, thanking You, Jesus, for all Your benefits. Go forth and hear in His name and continue to pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God, and all the people said, Amen. Amen.